Our scripture text for today is going to be Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Uh, So you can go ahead and just start flipping or scrolling there now. So if you come to Nova during the work week, it's like Tuesday through Friday, and you're in the kitchen, on one of the countertops, you may see what essentially looks a little bit like a science experiment. There's like a little... I don't know, beaker type thing, a whole bunch of weird kettles and hot water heaters and stuff. All of that is used to make one beautiful, delicious, single cup of coffee. And that's all my stuff. (laughs) Uh, I am a really, really big fan of coffee. Uh, I have been drinking it daily, and I'm not kidding, since middle school. Um, literally daily. I don't think there's been very few days that I have missed. I lived in Seattle for about three and a half years, which is essentially the coffee capital of America. And so for me, coffee has become a bit more uh, than just a morning pick-me-up. It has become a hobby of sorts in which I like to sit down and just try and make the very best cup of coffee that I can, and so I get weird equipment that looks like a science experiment, and I buy a specialty uh, craft-roasted coffee beans, and all these little details for me just make, just make a world of difference, and I get that this sounds incredibly snobby. I really do understand, but here's the deal. I think we all have things in our lives where the little details just make all the difference in the world to us, or to most other people, not so much. Like, we have, a, we have a bunch of musicians here at Nova, and I know for you musicians, you can tell the difference between a nice guitar and a really, really nice guitar. Those little differences, those details that just, that just make it sound better, make all the difference in the world to you and to the rest of us, I don't know, looks like a guitar, sounds like a guitar. Or if you're a really big fan of, let's say, football, uh, and you're just really, really into the game, you know the rules inside and out, you know the players, their stats, the coaches, the assistant coaches, owners, even player contracts so you can start talking about trades and stuff like that, that enhances your football viewing experience where to the rest of us, eh, not that big of a deal. All of us have something in our lives where the minor details just make all the difference in the world. For me, it happens to be coffee. In our passage today, it's going to look like Paul is simply listing some instructions for the church. And quite frankly, they seem like very basic instructions that all of us really wouldn't have that much difficulty jumping on board with. But, as you will see as we go through this text, Paul includes some details in his writing that make all the difference in the world. There's more going on behind the scenes than I think we will first realize. 
We're going to get into that today. We're going to see what these instructions have for us. Uh, But to start, why don't we just jump into our text? So once again, this is Ephesians 4, verses 29 through 32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So the main point of our text today comes from that first line. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And the following verses build off of that. But why? Why should we not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths? I know that seems like a fairly straightforward question, but it's important. Is it because simply God commanded it and so we follow it? Is it because that's the the kind thing to do? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Is it because society will just function better as a whole if we do so? All of those have truth that ring to them. But our motivation for not letting unwholesome talk come out of our mouths is a a bit deeper than that. And Paul actually reveals what our true motivation is in this passage. In a few different ways. It may be a little difficult to see, so we're going to flush those out today. The very first way that he does it is simply how he structures this passage. And the structure of this passage actually goes all the way back uh, to verse 25. So we're going to backtrack a little bit and just take a look at verses 25 through 32. Now, what Paul does, and I'm going to get, for just a brief moment, a little heady here. Stick with me because it's going to pay off. It's very, very cool. Paul uses a literary device called chiasm. And what chiasm does in a passage is it mirrors thoughts, sentences, ideas throughout a passage in order to build up to the main point of a passage. So the whole point of chiasm is to bring out the main point of a passage, but Paul does a little more with that as well. So that is the chiastic structure of our passage. I know that looks weird and intimidating. I'm going to break it down for us, so do not worry. So remember, we're looking for phrases, sentences, words that mirror each other, all building up to the main point of the text. So our first mirroring. Therefore, because you were created in the image of God, that should just be image, not images, mirrors with just as in Christ, God forgave you. Paul's mirroring the idea of who we are, what our identity is. We are images of God. We are forgiven by God. Next one. Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. This is uh, living in community in the body of Christ. That is the theme that is going on with these two mirroring thoughts. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, mirrors with. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. That one's pretty straightforward to see. And do not give the devil a foothold. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Two sides of the same coin, essentially. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. What we're supposed to be doing as Christians is to provide something for other people, be helpful, especially to those in need, all leading up to the main point of this passage. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And so this is the main point of this passage. But once again, why? Why should we not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths? Well, Paul frames it for us and how he begins and ends this passage. Because you are created in the image of God, just as in Christ God forgave you. Throughout the entire book of Ephesians, Paul relays a core conviction to us. Identity shapes behavior. How we view ourselves, how we view who we are at our core is going to dictate how we act, speak, and behave in the world. The first three chapters of Ephesians deals with who we are as images of God, forgiven by him. The last four chapters of Ephesians deal with, and therefore we go and do And live a certain life, I should say. Paul summarizes this idea very well in a few verses earlier in chapter 4. When he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore... All those instructions about how we're supposed to live our lives. Identity shapes behavior. All right? So let's actually jump into the gist of our text. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Why? Because you are created in the image of God, meant to be his reflection in the world. So therefore, just as God would not allow any unwholesome talk to come out of his mouths, you shouldn't either. Now, when I think, I think when we hear the phrase unwholesome talk, the first thing that comes to our minds in our modern context are swear words, curse words, coarse joking, something like that. And there's totally a time and place for that conversation. It's not what Paul's talking about in this passage. It just isn't. So we're not going to be talking about that today. So if it's not swear words, curse words, coarse joking, 
What, what does Paul mean when he says unwholesome talk? Well, he qualifies what he means by unwholesome talk by first describing what the opposite wholesome talk is in the back half of verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So wholesome talk is helpful. It builds others up. It benefits those who are listening to you. And therefore, we can infer that unwholesome talk is the opposite of that. It's not helpful. In fact, it tears each other down. It has no benefit to those who are listening. Now, I want to focus in on this phrase right here, according to their needs, because this is a little nuance that is kind of important for us to understand um, what Paul is really getting at here. So, believe it or not, this entire phrase, according to their needs, can be encapsulated in one word in the Greek language, and that word is karaya. And karaya uh, most closely means according to the needs of the moment. Therefore, we can read verse 29 as saying, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for buildings others up according to their needs at that moment, that it may benefit those who listen. Wholesome talk doesn't just throw words out willy-nilly. It isn't one-size-fits-all language. In this way, wholesome talk it requires wisdom. It requires thinking about what is most helpful at that moment. It's a little bit of nuance there. Uh, when I was a kid, every once in a while, I would just say something that just, just brutally honest, as kids do. Like I would be standing with a group of friends and, I, I don't know, say something like, Earlier today, Billy picked his nose in front of everybody. Ha ha. And uh, if my mom overheard me, she would rightfully scold me. To which I would reply, what? It's true. That happened. To which she would obviously reply, yeah. But just because something is true doesn't mean it's nice or helpful to say. And that is such a basic, basic truth. But I think it's helpful for us to be reminded of. I think Christians, whether we deserve it or not, um, have the reputation of just throwing out answers to all of life's problems without really addressing the true needs of somebody. Um, I have a friend who was a Christian but isn't anymore, unfortunately. Um, when he was in high school, his mother was diagnosed with cancer. It really devastated um, their family. And kind of naturally, my friend was devastated and began to have 
questions of well, why, why would God allow this to happen? I thought he loved me. I thought he loved my mom. And, and his family was very regular in the church and stuff like that. Um, but according to him, the majority of what he got were dry theological answers to why suffering happens. Uh, when all he needed was to be maybe, maybe shown God's love. Compassion empathy, even somebody just coming along and putting his, their arm around him, telling him that what he is thinking and feeling is, it's okay, and suffering alongside him. Um, but all he got was emotionless dogma, I guess. Now, here's the deal. Perhaps the, the theological answers that he received was spot on 100 percent accurate but just because something is true doesn't mean it's helpful in a every specific moment now there are also situations when discourse and discussion about the theological truths about suffering and pain and what should our response be there's totally a time and a place for those as well there's also a time and a place for uh, just somebody to be confronted with the hard truths of reality. But that's my point. Wholesome talk requires wisdom. It thinks about what is most helpful in that moment. And so I'm, I say all that to not say like, you know, my friend's church leaders were bad people or anything like that. It's not even to say that the theon- it shouldn't have been reminding him about the truths of God in the Bible, but they didn't take into account his actual needs. Wholesome talk builds up another person by taking into account their needs at that moment. In this way, we must be wise and think about what is most helpful in a situation. Paul then moves on to state, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now this is another moment where Paul is saying a bit more than what it may appear. Now on on a surface level, it appears that Paul is saying uh, do not use unwholesome talk because that grieves God, and that is Certainly true, but there's, there's a bit more that's going on. Uh, so this phrase, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, is actually a quotation uh, from Isaiah 63.10. And Isaiah 63, that entire chapter, deals with the redemption and the suffering of Israel. Think uh, big picture salvation motifs, just kind of like how it is in uh, our verse right here. This verse is also a callback to an earlier verse in Ephesians, chapter 1, 13, which states, and you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, 
the promised Holy Spirit. As Christians, we believe that when we come to faith in God, when we come to faith in Jesus, his life, his death, and resurrection, and the forgiving aspect that that has on our lives, we believe that we are then indwelled with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and works through us. Do you see what Paul is doing here? He's bringing us back to our identity again. Our identity, as we talked about earlier, was to be an image, a reflection of God. And likewise, our identity is that we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. So yes, when we use unwholesome talk or sin in any other way, it grieves God. But it also contradicts our identity. It's kind of like... It's kind of a silly image, but it, kind of, it drives home the point. Just as this does not make sense, just as it doesn't make sense for a cow to be saying meow, it doesn't make sense for us to use unwholesome talk because unwholesome talk contradicts our identity. It contradicts who we were created to be. Therefore, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul then moves on to say, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Now last week, Pastor Dean went in depth on this topic of anger, and so I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time here. Um, If you were not here last week and want to hear on that, uh, novachurch.org, Nova Community Church app has videos and audio that you can reference for that. But I'll touch on this briefly. Last week, Pastor Dean taught us that anger in and of itself is not a sin. The Bible is filled with times when God is justfully angry. He has wrath and Jesus even experiences anger from time to time. So anger on its own is not a sin, but unfettered anger, anger that's just out of control, will certainly lead to sin. And Paul lists off a few ways that that can happen. The first one he lists is bitterness. And bitterness is essentially anger that you're just not willing to let go of about a certain situation, about a certain person. And this isn't good uh, because we are told as Christians that we are to forgive just as we have been forgiven. If we're holding on to something and we're remaining bitter, we haven't forgiven that person. So we need to get rid of bitterness. Rage, I'm going to categorize that as anger that's just uncontrolled. You're so angry that you can't control yourself. And I know every one of us has been filled with rage to a point where we have said or done something that we really regret. Therefore, that has no place either. Uh, Brawling, that one's pretty straightforward. Physical fighting is just, there's no place for that. But the, the, the Greek word for brawling here can also mean shouting or screaming. So think again, anger that is just so intense and uncontrolled that you're just screaming at someone or just to the skies or something like that. It's just out of control. 
Slander is speaking about someone in an untruthful and harmful manner. One's pretty self-explanatory why that's bad. And malice is anger with the intent to harm. So just as Pastor Dean explained last week, anger on its own is not a sin. There is such a thing as just anger. But uncontrolled, unfettered anger can lead to these things that Paul informs us about. And if our talk has notes of malice, slander, it's unwholesome. It has no place in the life of a Christian. Paul finally closes this passage by saying, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And Paul has one final literary trick that he uses here. So the Greek word uh, for kind in this situation is Christos, or Christotis, which is kind or kindness. And Paul uses this word only one other time in the book of Ephesians, all the way back in chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, which states, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You see what Paul is doing there? He's reminding us, hey, remember, remember how God showed kindness to you through his son. Well, now you need to go and show that kindness to others as well. He's bringing us back to our identity again. God is kind compassionate and forgiving to us. And our identity is to be his reflections on earth. So, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Any talk that is unhelpful, tears others down, is filled with slander, malice, brawling, Rage, in, the, in language that Paul uses, we must put off those things and put on wholesome talk that is helpful. It builds others up. It's kind. It's compassionate. And it is forgiving. Why? Not just because it's some arbitrary command, but because who we were created to be, all the way back in Genesis 1, humans were created in the image of God. We are supposed to be his reflections in the world, imitating him in every way. It is our identity at its core. And so... Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. So we are in the middle of a sermon series entitled One. And we titled it One because the main theme of Ephesians 
uh, is church unity. And I think it's very easy to see how unwholesome talk does not lead to church unity. Talk that is tearing each other down is not helpful, certainly will not. But on the flip side, wholesome talk that helps build each other up can only lead to more unity in the church. The, the worldwide church is going to be entering into the time of Lent very soon. Um, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Lent basically just translated uh, to spring. It's also the 40 days before Christ's death and resurrection, Easter. And what the church usually does during the Lenten season is they take a, a, a focused time to grow together, to understand who we are in preparation for the celebration of Christ's resurrection, freeing us from the consequences of sin, that is, death. So my encouragement to all of you, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths during this time. It's quite simple. But, but let's even go a little further than that. What would it look like for all of us to truly understand who we are at our cores? What might change in the Nova community? And I'm not saying that, you, that we're doing like a bad job about it. I think we reflect the image of God in some really incredible, wonderful ways. We have ministries that serve our community. We worship God on a weekly basis and come together and worship fellowship. We support each other. There's so many great things that are doing. But as always, we're not perfect. There's room for growth. So what would it look like? If we all understood that we are images of God, what would it look like if our actions were dictated by this identity? I think some pretty cool stuff would happen. Amen?